Hello and welcome to the Winging It podcast, episode eight, Travelling with Scott Howison. Uh, this will probably be part one because we've been to so many places together and between us, but let's just do this part one for now. He's my good friend. Uh, we met in Australia in 2013 and we both bonded over our love for travelling. Scott has travelled to probably around over 50 countries at this point and I want to get his uh, recommendations uh, on record. Um, so Scott, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, James, for having me on. Uh, yeah, doing great. Thanks. I'm just up in the beautiful highlands of Scotland, just uh, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk us. Um, yeah, you're in Scotland. Uh, I, I'd imagine COVID doesn't really affect you up there because it's not many people. But yeah, what's your what's your gig up Scotland? What are you doing? How are you coping with the last? Well, I don't know how long you've been there. Probably six, seven months, right? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, so I was actually in Canada where James is. Um, I was on Vancouver Island, but we used to hang out quite a bit. And it was back in September that I decided to come back. So I actually bought a a property in Scotland last April. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty much coming up to a year now. And I was still in Canada just working well, I had a job and it all worked out well with COVID because I was classed as a, you know, essential worker. Um, yeah. So that was the result. And so I managed to work through a lot of um, the summer there and just sort of save up a bit of money. Yeah, then came back and basically I was just sort of working on the house. There was quite a bit to do, tidy up and get it sort of livable and pursued through that. Now I'm sort of got a good little setup and starting up a bit of a garden. But I studied permaculture last year. And so it's something that I had a big interest in. And I remember that. Yeah. I'm wanting to sort of implement that into what I'm doing here. But also, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff through traveling, you know, hostels and just love the traveling kind of lifestyle, the people you meet, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do remember last year, actually, uh, when you said in Canada, that you're going through the, the buy-in process to buy your land in Scotland. And you had a few a few plots you're looking at, right? And it wasn't um, until you got the one you got now where a few things happened, right? You weren't sure or it fell through. But yeah, so was that pretty yeah, stressful so that, that, pe- that period or was that pretty easy in the yeah, end? Yeah, because kind of I've been pursuing this for a few years, but, you know, from when making that decision that this is what I wanted to do to finding the right place like yeah it's been a long process and it went through yeah probably well definitely over a year but maybe about 18 months of you know looking mm-hmm. at properties like you know obviously what I could afford and all that yeah. kind of stuff yeah <laughs> and then yeah I was actually very close to getting a place which is in another part of Scotland um it's still in the highlands but couple of hours from here and it just didn't work out like it was yeah. a lot of issues with the process and it was because of trying to get water to the site it was just an empty plot of land and then this place came up and came to view it and I it was just one of those feelings like straight away I was like I could you know vision like envision this was the right place uh, for what I had in mind so can you tell the listeners just quickly where you are like in terms of Scotland <laughs> job wise yeah, so I mean, I'm in the Highlands, but obviously that's quite a vast area. So mm, yeah. I'm the, the East Coast, 
by a place called Helmsdale, uh, actually in between. So I'm just south of Helmsdale, mm-hmm. um, between the towns of Aurora and Helmsdale. Now, Helmsdale is the sunniest part of Scotland. So oh, nice. You picked a good spot. <laughs> climate here. And that typical um, idea that the UK, even more so Scotland, is just like wet all the time. Mm-hmm. It's true in a lot of parts of the country, but definitely more on the West Coast. Yes. And here it's, um, I mean, I'm not complaining, but when it comes to growing a lot of food, you need a lot of water, right? So of course, actually, yeah. water will be something I need to manage pretty well on the property because it's very dry. Mm-hmm. But it's, I'm right by the beach, like not directly. I'm set up about 100 meters. Mm-hmm. I have incredible panoramic views. I can see right across the Moray Firth, which is the body of water. If you're kind of looking at Scotland on a map, you'll see there's, um, so you've got Aberdeen, which is on this little tip. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of, the coastline kind of runs parallel until you get to Inverness. And then it kind of jots up going up to John O'Groats. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty much in between Inverness and John O'Groats. So I can, like, I'm actually, even though I'm on the East Coast, I'm South facing. Yeah, uh, like property orientation. So I'm kind of looking, I can see the mountains across the water, like snow-capped mountains. Um, I can't see like Aberdeen itself because mm-hmm. it's a little bit of the hills, but you can see all the lights at night in the little towns along the coast. So it's, yeah, a little, it's a little dream, isn't it? Dream location. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're saying yeah, before is. we started recording that you're going to show because me and Emma are going to come and visit Scott um, probably next year because we're going to do a little road trip in Scotland because like you like we said before we start recording it's a bit of a it's increasing its uh way up my list of places to go to because the landscape where you are you make it sound that uh it's a bit of a dream to go and visit right yeah it really is um what I'm trying to actually do here as well is through all the traveling I've done I want to start up some kind of hostel slash homestay while incorporating the sort of permaculture things where basically growing a lot of food and it will be a I'm trying to take little bits of ideas from all the places I've stayed and experiences I've had and kind of merge them into what I think is a a unique experience for people you know if people want to come and just stay in a regular hotel then that's there for them but instead of trying to do the same like I want to have it where people might come and sort of interact a bit more yeah and maybe learn something um you know a little bit about sort of permaculture or whatever or have like interacting with the animals um, mm-hmm. and it just as much as people would would like to so um yeah that's kind of what my goal is with all of this so, how long would it take do you think to get to that stage where you're probably going to say yeah come and visit we've got this you've got this you can stay here how long do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, to be honest, I still think it's probably going to be uh, a few years, like probably like, probably three years would be, yeah. be the goal. Because, and the thing is, as well, even then, it's still an ongoing process because um, I'm basically trying to grow what's sort of called a food forest. So mm-hmm. trees take a long time to grow. Yeah. And so when you put them in the ground, like an apple tree, you might not get fruit on it until year seven or something. Right, got you. So, 
some things like won't be fully established and in place, but in terms of having a place where people can stay, um, that's the goal is probably three years. And then during that time, I'm just going to be exploring a lot of sort of Scotland, getting to know areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. Before, yeah, you said before you're going to spend yeah that, that three years, obviously doing your plot of land, but also seeing as much of Scotland as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the surrounding islands, I think this year we're going to try and go up to, like with my family, try and go up to uh, the Orkney Islands. Oh, yeah, it's up there. It's not that far from here, like even including the ferry. It's yeah. it, it's an hour and a bit, hour 20 or something to the ferry from uh, Scrabster. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, the ferries from there go to Shetland Islands and to Orkney. Some stuff on the west coast. There's some, there's lots I've not explored yet, just because it, it really is quite vast. Vast, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it might be say thirty, forty miles to somewhere, but it, it takes like an hour and a half to drive there because it's all like single track roads with passing places. So sure, yeah, they're not really busy, but they can get really busy in the summer. So when you've got mm-hmm. campers, you know, sort yeah, of uh, that'll be us going down the road. <laughs> <laughs> Like, this is awesome because um, of all the podcasts I've done so far, no one's talked about Scotland. So um, it's so so strange. Like some people kind of dismiss their their home country, right? About maybe somewhere to go. But I, me and Emma, like are absolutely buzzing to get in a camper van and go and see you in Scotland and see the area. So yeah, this is awesome yeah. about um, you showing your what you know so far and what you plan to do in Scotland. Well, and that's it. I think you're right there that. I mean, especially when you're young, it's good to get out there and see these sure. far away places, get those long journeys kind of out of the way. But people do forget what's on their doorstep sometimes. And, uh, you know, you don't, even if you just travel domestically or, you know, for the sake of the UK, just there's a lot of really cool spots. Mm. And, you know, I've not discovered, even having been to a lot of places, is I realised that, when you're here it's not like you can't still travel or you can't mm. still satisfy that urge as i said at the start scott yeah you've traveled like a serious amount of countries i think um i said around over 50 so you've obviously made your way around yeah. various places it's uh 56 right now <laughs> 56 oh uh, yeah i went short of the number <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes yeah i actually usually just say over 50 because um i mean a couple of those are ones that have probably only been a weekend in yeah, that still count. It's just a city, <laughs> but you know, like say, like Dubai. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. Into the city uh, for a few days, but still counts as UAE. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only been to Copenhagen, but I, I you know, took Denmark <laughs> off the list, right? So, uh, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I've seen Denmark, but I've been there. So, well, there's a difference there, I guess. So that's cool. So I want to. The thing is about me and Scott here, we could talk about a numerous amount of places that we've been to. So we're gonna probably have a few yeah. episodes where we discuss different areas of the world um but I think we'll go into the next part here is how we met so we met in 2013 but yeah I did a few months in Southeast Asia yeah and then ended up down in Melbourne yeah and yeah we sort of well we were staying in the same hostel but we didn't you know meet each other initially um we were both yeah. long-term staying there um Quite a lot of people were. There was sort of a whole floor of the hostel that was um, for the 
long-termers. <laughs> I think this is worth a discussion, I think, for, for a few minutes. So, yeah, these long-termers. So, yeah, me and Scott met in Urban Central in Melbourne, which is a hostel off City Road. Yeah, the, the long-termers there that I do want to call, call one story from uh, that Scottish guy who is there. I cannot like <laughs> yeah. think his name. So they, there's just two Scottish lads there. One, they're both supposed to be travelling. One is an absolute traveller. He's carried on. And one wasn't so. And I think they were planned to see Australia maybe six months to a year. Um, but in that was the work visa in Australia. But this guy, I can't remember his name. Or maybe don't need a name. But he spent, was it about six months just at a hostel bar, spending all his traveling money? Is that right? Yeah, I think, unfortunately, he might have been, you know, he's come along traveling with his friend. And then he's just not that interested in the end. And he preferred, like, the social side of things. So he basically yeah. just... Because the hostel had a really good social atmosphere. It like all downstairs, it had a bar. Yeah. And um they'd have events on like quizzes and poker nights. Poker and nights, stuff. yeah. And football was yeah, on the actually, screen as well. Yeah, that's one of the things was the poker nights that we uh sort of got to know each other a bit. <laughs> yeah, as I was gonna say, that's how we met, right? Because we at the time I was uh I think I was working actually, I found a job. So but in between those times, I'd bump into Scott like on these poker nights at the hostel, or we'd both be going to the casino, like crossing paths as we walked down. And I think obviously it happened a few times because obviously we did the same route roughly the same time of day, I guess. And then yeah, you sort of like stayed there for a bit, and then yeah, we got to know the locals at the hostel, these like long termers, and there's some characters in there, I think. Yeah, there is, there is. I mean, just kind of anywhere, as you you know as well, like when you're traveling the hostels you I mean you know 90 plus percent of people are just really cool people but there's always a couple of you know crazy ones or some like people that you end up getting funny stories from (laughs) (laughs) that just reminds me of Peter the 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 bar guy so there's an Australian geezer who ran the bar called Peter and he had some stories on him um he was probably responsible for giving out like not free drinks, maybe a few free, free drinks, but a bit casual with the employees, uh, employees, casual with the occupants, like the long-termers, because you kind of got to know him over the year, over the months, right? But he had like some really weird stories. <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't he get let go at some point? Uh, or, he's not, well, he's not there anymore. I don't know what that means. Right, yeah. Well, that was many years ago now as well. Oh, yeah, yeah that's like, what was it, eight years ago? So let's go into Australia. So what was your plan for Australia? You were there in Urban Central. Do you seem to recall you got a job at GBH? Is that right? Uh, CBH. CBH, yeah. Not GBH. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was, uh, it was quite interesting. It was like a turning point for me on my, my whole travel journey. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I was uh, edging on the, um, on the broke side. And mm-hmm. I was before I started that job, but um, yeah, I'd been in Australia a few months. I flew into Sydney, and I wanted to try get the farm work thing out of the way quick. Yeah, Met, like one of the girls in the hostel told me about this CBH thing, and I just applied for it, you know, not really thinking much. And it was months later when I got a reply, and I uh, got invited for the interview, and it kind of came at the perfect time because. I wasn't doing the best jobs in Melbourne. Yeah. Door to door kind of stuff where it was, yeah. uh, you know, you're not paid an hourly wage and, you know, it's just not, not fun. 
No, it's not. <laughs> Some jobs you can get there are just great, you know, because the hourly wage is great and it allows you to save money mm-hmm. and, you know, to be able to go travel. But um, yeah, so I flew over to Perth, did the whole, um, there was like a training course for this job. And I thought, I, I just assumed that the job would start sort of straight afterwards. Yeah. So, you know, kind of all set on that and thinking, oh, this, you know, hasn't come better. I've got this job. It's like $27 an hour and get free accommodation and all that kind of stuff. And even a paid training course. So you get about a grand for the week for the training. Yeah. And um, yeah, they basically, after the course over, it's like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll give you a call in probably the next three, four weeks. Um, and I was like, uh, okay, what <laughs> until then. Uh, I remember I already had about like a thousand dollars sort of left, um, which when you're in Australia, that's kind of like a red alert if you're in. Yeah, nothing. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I was thinking like, what do I do? And I, I don't really know why, where the, the idea came from, but I just was doing a little flight search on Skyscanner. Mm-hmm. and um noticed that there was a really cheap flight to uh lombok in indonesia from perth and it was like like 86 dollars yeah um that was obviously like without a bag but in, in the end i ended up getting a i flew into lombok and then bali back to perth For two and a half weeks the flights came to like 220 dollars yeah. Over two weeks, I spent about five hundred dollars. So now, to put this into perspective, like a week at a hostel in Perth is two hundred dollars a week. Yeah, and I know that you can sometimes work in a hostel for accommodation, but there's usually a bit of a waiting list. It's not just like you show up and you can do that straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have to wait a few weeks, and I just <laughs> was thinking, yeah, of course you could try and get a little part-time job, but I ended up traveling in Indonesia for two and a half weeks, you know, to Lombok and Bali and got to climb mountains and play on <laughs> beaches, scuba diving and do all that for like <laughs> the cost of living in Australia. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Man. And uh, it just worked out perfectly. I got back and two days later, I got a call to uh, head up to, to start work. So they called you when you got back to Australia or during the, your time in Indonesia? No, it was literally, it couldn't have worked out better. I got wow. back two days later, I got the call. The next day I got, um, I got driven up there by a friend and yeah, started like the day after. So it all happened pretty fast. But then, yeah, I was working there for like four months. Mm-hmm. It's a great job, managed to save a whole bunch of money and that, um, just allowed me to then think about where I wanted to go next. And yeah, so going beyond that, I planned a, a big trip uh, after Australia. I managed to, like this job counted for that um, uh, work. Yeah. Yeah, for the 88-day uh, the thing you've got to do if you want to yeah. get a second visa. So mm-hmm. yeah, it worked out great, got that. Um Ended up doing about 100 days there. They actually kept me on right until we're allowed to because it was a, I, I was a casual worker. And if I technically had worked any longer than four months, they would have had to make me a permanent staff. And that yeah, 
I seem to recall that actually. Uh, like medicals and stuff. So it ends up yeah. being a cost of the company. And but I, I was I was you know happy as as Larry because I was like worked out good, got all this money saved, planned yeah. the trip, and uh, got your second year. Ended up booking a round the world ticket. So because <laughs> <laughs> you know what, when you're in Australia and you know at this point I was planning to visit home. So already if you're flying halfway around the world like back to the UK people don't think about this but a return flight is almost the same as getting a round the world ticket so mm. you can really you know it will cost a couple of hundred dollars more but it's quite surprising you can get all these extra destinations thrown in and the round the world ticket kind of has this flexibility with it yeah where you can change dates for a small cost or and it also has a year on it. So usually from your start date, mm-hmm. you can like your flights beyond that as part of the ticket, you can move up to 12 months after your uh, departure date. Yeah, I think I booked um I think I booked those twice actually on two different trips. Yeah, they're so handy. And it just gives you a bit yeah. more flexibility of different places to go to and even change your plans a little bit if you want to stay somewhere a bit longer. Yeah, exactly. So instead of having, you know, if you're considering going halfway around the world, like for, say, people in the UK going to Australia, New Zealand, mm. which is obviously quite a common path that, that travelers go on, that, yeah. yeah, to consider, well, you could throw in, you know, a stop in Thailand or Singapore mm-hmm. and then use those areas as kind of like a hub. Hub, yeah. Have your main flight in and out, but you can do a few months in Southeast Asia mm-hmm. and just turn back to, say, Bangkok. And then catch your next flight, go do six months working in Australia, and hop over to Fiji, and then North America, and then back. <laughs> and it, you know, it all it turns into this incredible trip. Instead of oh, you're just going to do the six months in Australia, yeah. And even if you only stop for a few days, it's still a, an opportunity to experience a new place um, and see somewhere that you might not have even considered going. So, yeah, that's a great recommendation. I think. Um going maybe next year when travel comes sort of back to normality but yeah that that whole round the world thing of just not doing there and back like via somewhere or via an area for a few months that's such a cool thing to do to add to your trip so um yeah those round the world tickets are great I, I don't know who can do them now because I, I think STA have obviously ceased trading at the at the minute so I'm not I know, sure it's sad isn't it? <laughs> yeah it's awful I was saying um I was saying earlier how quickly they just went under after six months um of, of covid that's it they're gone cease trading i can believe it um yeah, up to up to the point you left uh, australia what, had you you traveled east coast australia right and done the classic um spots right across australia yeah so i actually did the east coast of australia back in uh 2010 so that was oh, yeah. i actually did a six-month trip that was with my brother Stuart, who james mm-hmm. knows and I do, yeah Ours, uh, Hi, Stuart. Yeah, we did a we did that typical round the world trip where it was <laughs> at the time it was just feeling like it was going to be this once in a lifetime trip. Yeah, and make most yeah. of it. Uh, we did a bit of Southeast Asia, um, yeah, East Coast of Australia, Kiwi experience in New oh, Zealand. Yeah. yeah, great bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was it. Was really like. You know, at that time, I mean, that was obviously over 10 years ago now. And I was thinking, oh, this might be the only sort of chance I'll get to do this thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of a good for me because it was it gave me a taster of <clears throat> of traveling in general. But it also I realized I, I really didn't know anything about traveling when I yeah. went. Um, and so when I actually set off in 2013, like it was a bit different because I was now going by myself. And, you know, I'd met people in Australia that first time and we were just on a holiday, but we were meeting people who were on the work visa and I didn't even know oh, this was. So that sort of inspired me to think, well, you know, if I'm just going to sort of work a regular job yeah, um, back in, in England, then I may as well do that in Australia where I'll at least be I mean, it's a similar lifestyle, but it's, yeah. it's different. You are sort of putting yourself, you know, challenging yourself, putting yourself into a place, into a new city or area where you're having to, you know, set up life there, like get a job, get a bank account. Get mm. do, yeah. Do life stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all that life admin. <laughs> that, that no one teaches you. But um, my, my equivalent of that would have been, I went to, I think it was 2010 as well, actually. I went to Australia, um, but I went to watch the cricket. And I remember this um, this geezer that was in front of us in Perth. He was watching the cricket and his dad was from Leeds, but he was born in Perth. So he's like a just someone who's from there. And he, me, really in the group, really wants to come back in terms of living there. He goes, oh, mate, just get a car, get a work visa, come and earn like six months of your travel visa, earn loads of money because it's paid way more than the UK and just go and travel around. And I was like, oh, do you know what? that's not a bad idea that so yeah like you where you met your people on the work visa mine was just some guy at the cricket and that's kind of stuck with me and that's what made me like sort of change yeah plans. yeah no, it um, is good like I think um the the work visas in general they're great to just um you know as a way to travel for longer um you know you're getting that different experience of not just traveling in a place but having to live somewhere and work yeah. there and you actually meet proper locals that way. You're not just saying in hostels, mm. rent, you know, a house for six months or whatever, an apartment or a shared house and that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I've had great experiences in, in all countries by doing that. We've all, well, James and I have both done, you know, Australia, New Zealand and Canada. Yeah, um, just finished the last one because the age, last visa has just been completed. But yeah, yeah sad times. <laughs> Didn't have time for the Japan one. Or... No, that's gonna that's gonna haunt me probably forever. Because um, I actually only found out too late. I think just just with life and you know where I was in terms of age, just like unless they increase the age to thirty five, there's no way I'm gonna be able to get that visa. But you know, if people are listening and they're in their twenties, do the Japan visa because I want to know what it's like and how how it works up there of getting a job or immersing yourself into local culture. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's the, like a whole different level, than, yeah. you know, because you've got the language barrier. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, Japan is a is a really cool place. Um, spent a few weeks there, and it's, uh, you know, like people people are just so kind, and even if they don't speak English, they'll still try to help. They'll you. try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really unique. Yeah, yeah. I think me and Emma are at a bar once in Tokyo, and there's this group of maybe like four or five people, maybe half and half girls and guys. And one of the girls tried to speak to us. She probably knew 20 words, but was just trying to have a conversation and know where we're from. And we didn't really understand most things, but we understood that we liked beer and, you know, she understood London and where we're from. And yeah, just trying to like be conversational. 
Yeah. Kampai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that arigato, I think that's all I had. Um, yeah, Japan's a, a great recommendation. Um, just to finish off on Australia, um, if you were to name top three things to see uh, or do in Australia, what would you say to the listeners as your top three? Okay. It's a tough one. Yeah, very tough. <laughs> I hate these sort of favourite lists, but um, I do really... <laughs> or re- uh, call them recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, definitely just the West Coast in general, because a lot of people just stick to the East Coast. And yeah, I mean, the East Coast, if I had to pick one, it uh, would probably be um, Fraser Island. That's, Fraser Island, yeah. I thought you might say that. I had a great, great experience there. Same, um, yeah. It's the biggest sand island in the world. And there's yeah. some pretty cool stuff on there, like the lakes. But otherwise, I think for me, I did in general prefer the West Coast, but that's not to put the East Coast down. It's just, mm-hmm. it's a little bit less traveled and it's yeah. more vast. Like there's bigger distances between like the town and just populations. And <clears throat> But I really like Margaret River, that, that general whole area, and also Esperance um yeah just the incredible beaches um you've got those white sand beaches which is like you get on the Whitsundays yeah yeah it's on the sort of south coast the part of uh WA yeah we they're great recommendations I think we are going to go back to Australia late next year and do the west coast because I've not done much but um actually before we finish Australia we've got a few so I went to stay with Scott uh, this must have been the start of 2014 <laughs> uh, in, yeah, in one of his yeah. um, accommodations for his work. Uh, but Scott was like, oh, do you know what, James, can you buy me a car in Perth? I need a car. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I think initially it was, we were we were going to get a car to share, weren't we? Or something yes. Like that. Yeah. But I think you couldn't stay in Perth for long. So I was on my own and I went to this like car place and it's like, oh, oh that seems cool. And they showed me it. And it's a really hot day. So... <laughs> um no need for the windows open like windows down arm out that sort of thing like just hadn't just seen that been driven around I thought oh it looks great for a thousand dollars whatever it was and uh so I bought this car for Scott and then he comes down and I think you were like oh yeah it looks, it looks okay and I think obviously one day it might start to rain and then he tried to do the window up and it didn't work right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I can't remember if it was if it was you who discovered the window issue or <laughs> Um, it was me. <laughs> it's pretty rare in uh, Western Australia that you need to put the window up. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's always really hot, and it also is pretty dry. So, um, but yeah, like I can't remember exactly how it went down, but we we figured out that the window didn't work. And then <laughs> it's a driver's side. It was it? like, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I felt so bad because like, oh, I thought I check this car out. I spent this money for you. It just seemed normal, but obviously I got kind of like done a little bit by the uh, the car salesman. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, well, you know what? I actually managed to manage to get. I, I think I remember now. It cost seven fifty. Okay, uh, so yeah. that's much. That's like four hundred pounds, um, four hundred fifty pounds or something. So it's yeah. not a not a huge not a super car. Yeah, <laughs> you managed to fix it though, right? Well, I had to sort of take the panel off the door and then yeah. push the window up. And then I tried to sort of tape it. But again, when it got too hot, the tape, sort of gluey part of the tape melted and it just slid back down. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it was uh, I felt bad. It was a funny time. 
And then another time we were traveling from Perth, I think, to your location in one of your friend's cars. I think it was Alison's car. Oh, yeah. yeah. And this was a shit heap. Alison like, was obviously telling us, oh, it'll, it'll get you from Perth to... Alison, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Alison. Uh, me and Emma actually do miss you. Uh, we'll come to you in a minute when we come to get to the, the section of the pool. But um, this car that we're in, the windows didn't work, aircon didn't work, nothing worked apart from the engine. And obviously we were like, it's on a hot birthday and just windows open trying to get some air in. It was just chaos, wasn't it? <laughs> I, think, I think we drove oh. to McDonald's or Burger King to get one of those frozen colas for a dollar. Oh yeah, what a what a deal that was. <laughs> yeah. really, actually, that's something people will find if you go to Australia. Is like there's almost nothing for a dollar or less. Yeah, true. Like everything kind of starts at two, three dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from, so if you get something for a dollar, that's like a real bargain. But I just remember us like sweating, trying to eat or drink one of these things as we're driving down. This is absolute carnage. Uh, another thing is, well, you stayed with me in Margaret River. So I went to Margaret River to do a bit of a season after I stayed with Scott because um, I wanted to try and get my farm days done. And then Scott came to visit probably about, I don't know what part of the year, maybe two or three months down the line, right? You come to visit and stay? Yeah, it would have been in March because I yeah. finished end of Feb at CBH. And then I had a couple of months until I was setting off. And I thought I'd do a bit of traveling. Uh, and I kind of got stuck in Margaret River. <laughs> yeah, you should stay for one night. Because I just had a good time. <laughs> How long did you stay for in the end? <laughs> Three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so we had it was nice. It was kind of like, I felt like I became part of the hostel family. <laughs> you did, yeah. You, we had this group here for, yeah, two or three months. And we all got on really well. I feel, well, most of us did anyway. And then, yeah, you sort of come along to stay and people loved you and you, you just sort of immerse yourself into the group and sort of become part of that culture until it kind of finish. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was wondering if we were going to bring up that story with uh, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott is responsible for... Um, <laughs> it's responsible for someone losing their absolute shit on a night out uh, who decided to throw some pots and pans, have a go at people... Uh, whilst drunk and try and drive off I think she did eventually um in her car so yeah how what, what's your take on that story Scott well it was I mean it was chaos the whole night but, <laughs> you know it started great and we were just having a few drinks at the hostel and I remember uh Thomas and I were outside and I, like, I can't remember exactly but we basically didn't have a drink either yeah. as, and instead of going down um to the bottle shop we uh <laughs> you know we, we just like sort of roamed through the fridge and we're like oh we'll just have a bit of this goon because uh so goon for people if they don't know is that is it the backpackers kryptonite i don't know <laughs> yeah it's grim stuff <laughs> it's uh it's this it's box wine so because australia is very expensive and obviously backpackers being on a budget goon is a very much a go-to drink or you know the party is you just you know you can basically have a a night out for like fifteen dollars um, so yeah but anyway we just thought oh we'll just have a bit of this have a, a class of that each and then charlotte kind of kicks off saying like who stole my wine <laughs> <laughs> and uh 
you know, we, we were just, we, we, was, we were straight with it. We were just like, oh, we, we just had some, but like, don't worry, we'll, we're going to buy you some more. We just didn't yeah. feel like going to the, the shop right now. And then she just went into a complete, like, bit about it. And yeah. Then, but the thing is, like, it kind of kicked off all this other stuff. Yeah, it flowed the kind stuff, of came out and <laughs> said, like, I've had enough of this girl. <laughs> and then she kind of felt, you know, like, oh, nobody really liked her in the end. Yeah. And then she was, I mean, she was a bit of a drunk mess and taking things the wrong way. Um, and at the end, we were all just trying to help her, like, to mm. calm and basically just go to bed. And then she was, you know, adamant on getting in the car. And we were like, this is not a good idea. She is way too drunk. Like, she's just going to have an accident. It's not good. So yeah. we were kind of panicking because we didn't want her to get in the car. And, you know, we actually had to call uh, Ben, the hostel manager. Yes. He was like, uh, so we had to wake him up at like 1 a.m. or midnight or something and to try and defuse the situation. And, you know, even the police ended up getting involved. But I remember it being quite bizarre because we, you know, we got the police there and we were just like, it was to basically make sure she didn't get in her car and drive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It wasn't to, she wasn't, you know, to be arrested or anything like no. that. She just said to the police, just take her keys and just keep an eye on her or something. <laughs> um, but the police gave her keys back. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. It was really like bizarre. And I mean, she's, she's, she's okay. She survived the night. And you know, <laughs> yeah. we, I don't know if she just slept in her car, but yeah, it was, it was a real uh, fiasco. It was the, I think what, yeah, because like you say, it, it sort of like released a lot of other emotions from other people because she had been borrowing stuff off other people and not like repaying them or re, you know, like giving them stuff back like cigarettes or money or whatever it was. And then it all just came out. And I think what really summarised it was Hazel, right? She, so this Welsh uh, girl called Hazel, like awesome girl that was at the hostel in her very calm oh, yeah, Welsh legend. accent. Yeah, legend. <laughs> in a calm Welsh accent, just reminded uh, Charlotte that, um, no one likes you here and you need you nick people you, know, you nick stuff off people and you need to have like a look at yourself first before anyone else something like that I don't know the exact quote but that really kicked off I think and it really like kind of honed down on Charlotte that oh maybe like I've been a bit of a dick for the last two or three months <laughs> but um what, what's yeah. funny about this is uh Hayley so our friend Hayley yeah she the other day and we somehow got on the topic of this and she's like, I can't remember, what, but why? What, what started all that? Why did she kick off in the end? Went well, Scott nicked her goon, and she went, Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and she's like, me, oh, me, me okay. and Thomas. It oh, sorry, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but that was Margaret River. Um, yeah, that was great. Great four yeah. months there. Um, but anyway, yeah, like Margaret River is just a beautiful place. It's yes, uh, of course fine region but you've got awesome beaches it's like i mean it's not even though it's a town it's kind of a region as well it's a region so, yeah yeah um you've got is it uh Busselton or Busselton, yeah yeah Dunsborough. i always yeah. get those mixed up about which yeah. ones um but yeah great surfing places they even have some kind of world um surfing events around margaret river yeah, because our friend Frankie from the US was there to surf, wasn't he, from the US? If you remember yeah. Frankie, big tall lad. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just consider a region as like, like beaches are incredible. There's lots of wine because it's wine region. Cheese is, is, cheese is made down there. 
Um, and also you can get some chocolate and port as well, like like self-made. So it's a great, great area to be in. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay, so let's move on to India. Um, oh, bit of so, a change. <laughs> so let's change it up. Let's change it up. So Scott has travelled extensively in India, and I joined him on a three-month trip in 2016, I think January to mid-March, something like that. Um, and you've been there, I think, maybe three months before that. But yeah, talk us through your experiences with India. So what, yeah, so... what made you go there? What, what was your plan, um, if you can summarise? or Yeah. Well, the thing is... Um... I don't know what it is with traveling, but when you're, you're, you go to places like Southeast Asia, let's say you kind of, it's so different, right? And you get this culture yeah. shock. <laughs> but then what I found is India is like this next level. Yes. As well. And so once you're kind of used to how things are in say Southeast Asia, or, you know, I, I actually went to South America before uh, India and again, it's a little bit different, but it has its similarities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So India is like this extra, you know, culture shock. It, it really is like yeah. this whole level. And I was just intrigued by that. And I didn't really know what to expect. Um, there was a few things I had in mind mm-hmm. when going there. But when I first went, it was, um, I got a six-month tourist visa. Um, I've actually now been there for total of 10 months yeah um over sort of two separate trips and yeah this first time was was a six-month trip and yeah I just basically flew into Delhi um didn't have much plans except heading up to the mountains up to the Himalayas yeah and I was interested in doing this meditation course so I did that for uh 10 days and even though you know, I mean, it was it was an incredible experience, but it's kind of funny that at a, at a silent meditation retreat, I met like, you know, some, uh, you know, just really great people that I'm still really good friends with today. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect that at a silent, silent. meditation. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was going to elaborate <laughs> on your silent camp experience. So, yeah, people might think silent, oh, you can't speak, but this was literally like, tell us the rules. What was the rules there? What, what couldn't you do? oh it's no i mean like if you had if you had like a you know an issue you could talk to one of like monks or something like but otherwise no contact uh, no uh, speaking for 10 days yeah um yeah basically go in you have like the first couple of hours few hours of the, the first day where everybody is having like a big lunch and you can talk or you know meet people mm-hmm. and like in the evening on that first day the the big gong goes and it's like the silence starts <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's kind of funny because we kind of like you know bonded with these people <clears throat> and some of us would sort of uh basically sneak out <laughs> <laughs> but, you know because it's like the the monastery is in a beautiful place it's in this forest like there's monkeys everywhere which um yeah, they're quite fun you have to sort of defend your food but yeah. um yeah so we kind of just walked down the driveway and we just sort of hang out and at that point we you know a few people sort of gathering we we're still kind of keeping the silence but then 
eventually we just kind of created this little group and we just kind of meet up every evening and just chat. <laughs> <laughs> That's on <in> camp. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it was, it was great. So, and some of these people we, uh, you know, I continue to travel with. Um, mm-hmm. And from there we went to, I mean, places like Punjab, um, yeah. to Amritsar, like, uh, which is sort of the, the Sikh holy city. It's got some pretty cool sites, the Golden Temple. Yeah. <clears throat> then down into uh, Rajasthan. Mm. And we went to um, this camel festival in Pushkar, yeah. which is like the biggest camel festival in the world. And, you know, just tens of thousands of villages all across. So Rajasthan is... It's a big state that's west of west, yeah, um, and it stretches right up until the Pakistan border, but it it includes the Thar Desert, so it's quite a deserty climate, mm-hmm. um, especially the further out you go, um, like all the way to Jalsamir, which we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so. You get these people kind of traveling from all over um, with their camels and they'd sort of trade like, you know, it's like a trade festival. It's something that's been going on for over a thousand years. It's kind of become a bit of a tourist thing, mm. but it's not, that's not its primary. It's just a tourist thing because it, it's cool to witness, yeah. you know, you all these people coming across and they make all the little handicraft. You can pick up some pretty cool stuff. Um in these sort of things but india is a, a country of festivals so there's always some kind of festival or event yeah. going on love it and really india it's not a country it's like a continent when it comes to traveling so i mean it is referred to as the subcontinent of india but it, mm-hmm. it really is like all these different countries that are now kind of called states and well, well, just quickly, uh, when I went yeah. to when I recorded um, two episodes ago, uh, episode six with my friend Andrew, she is from the Punjab region, and like like you said, I just said to her, India. So she, I said, "Oh, where are you from?" And she's like, "I'm from the Punjab region. Uh, I can't remember the city, the Ladkar, Ladkai." Um, but I was like, people just know India as this country, but it's huge. <laughs> like, can you describe kind of like where you are because? Some people have no idea where one place is another because, like you say, it's just a it's a continent in itself. It's crazy. Yeah, and well, like this is the thing is like, you know, India. Like when you mention that to somebody, especially when it comes to traveling, like they just think of like these incredibly overcrowded and dirty and smelly like big cities. And yeah, I mean, yes, that is the case in some areas. Yeah, because as well, you've got the majority of the Himalayas is in India. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the majority, but a, a vast part of it. Um, and you know, you've got some of the you know, the second and third highest mountain in the world. You've got, you know, just incredible landscapes like rainforests, mm-hmm. uh, beaches, like deserts. Like you've got everything. Everything. Glaciers. Yeah. It's it's, you know, it's really uh, a cool place to explore. And yeah, I mean, there's so many places I could recommend just, just in India. Um, it's a place that, yeah, after those six months, 
and sound it's, it's a long time in in one country but it is yeah not, you're not kind of you know every few days on the go it was sometimes I'd find a spot and spend like a week or two there and not necessarily do that much just kind of hang out with some of the locals sort of I yeah. mean say locals but they were sort of like the hotel staff or something yeah. so say for example Kunal somebody yes. like that you know great guy great guy um, yeah yeah. I've worked at a hostel, but you know, he kind of take you to places that you you just wouldn't be able. To, it's not in the Lonely Planet guide guidebook. Yes. Like find these places unless uh, a local was to show you. So that's some of the things that I really loved <laughs> loved about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Goa is a great place. Mm-hmm. Kerala, um, but those are sort of things I did uh, kind of. Well, actually, yeah, that was before after getting into Rajasthan and doing a bit of that, um, I continued to travel south right the way down to Kerala. Kerala I did yeah. it all and so there was a few long journeys. Um, but something that's really great in India is the rail network. Oh, it's unbelievable. Now, you know, there's a lot of countries you have to deal with buses and, you know, these trains, you can get some that are just incredibly overcrowded, but... To be honest, the ones that tourists are going to go on, they're not separate, but it's the the class you go in in the, yeah. like the carriage. So even if you get a basic sleeper, which would have sort of Indian families, you actually get get a bed. It's extremely basic, but it a place you can lie down. That's enough, yeah. And um, but the thing is, like a twelve hour journey costs about three pound, like five dollars. Yeah. yeah. So it's just incredible for getting around and. You know, it's great because there's just so the train network. Um, I mean, to give people an idea, the Indian rail network is the biggest employer in the world. It's a crazy stat, that. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it was, it, it's an incredible network. And some, you know, it, it, they're slow, rickety trains because they're, they're not, there's no high-speed railway there. <laughs> yeah, it's not Japan. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is, that's the, 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 the bonus as well of having a bit more time in a place like that. If you yeah. went to India for two, three weeks, like, you've either got to stick to just one little region and see a few places. If you try yeah. and stretch yourself, you're, you're going to become exhausted with the, the journey times between places. So that's why I came... So, came to join you for three months because i kind of like yeah some people so many people here travel you know for two weeks or going on holiday for two weeks you just can't see enough especially someone like india so that's what i'm trying to get that's why i'm trying to encourage people to travel for a period of time if you can because you really see a place but yeah i came to join you was it was it halfway through to six months at that point yeah pretty much i mean yeah. i was um yeah so after i got down to kerala i flew back up to delhi because yeah at this point we had arranged to meet up and also yeah. my brother Stuart came over so it was the three of us and um yeah so we were kind of back in Delhi and then I had saved a couple of places in in Rajasthan that when I was there before that I, I did want to see but I thought I'd sort of wait and do that oh, nice. instead of yeah uh seeing them again so places like Jodhpur and, yeah Jodhpur yeah and Jaipur <laughs> Uh, you remember the incredible omelette sandwich oh. for like 40p or 30p or something? <laughs> yeah, we uh, yeah we decided to take uh, take in 40 years, and uh, yeah, it's just a skeezer on a, a 
small stall and you can get this list of omelets and and the sandwiches as well like just the salad omelets I can't even list all the, all the options but we just sat there on the store. I think we had two, right? I had a masala one and something else, and they were incredible, like oh, yeah. different level. Yeah, I mean, this this guy was a little local legend because he he was in newspaper articles and stuff, yeah. and he just had this little tiny stall, a couple of big stacks of eggs, and basically everything was like an omelet sandwich, just depending yeah. on what else you want. Egg plus what? <laughs> so good that masala omelet. Oh, that's up there. That's one of my favorite foods I've had in India when I was there with you, I think. Definitely in top five. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something about India too is, I mean, I love the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my podcast with Anjuman, he's, yeah, as like, like I say, from India, we, we got sidetracked on food. And I, I had to like cut it off because it could be a whole <laughs> podcast of food because it's just so good there and the, and the options are unbelievable. Um, but yeah. We well, can... this is the thing too with, you know, with India because it's like, said before where um, what I mean by it being like a subcontinent is these states and even within a state you you move to the next city and they have a different language and different you know food things Mm. and you know different culture and it's really quite you know amazing and it, it it's it's what people would you know experience traveling through Europe where you can drive four hours and you've got a different language, different culture. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, anyway, so James and I continued <laughs> to so actually yeah, something about Jodhpur, that's a place I recommend people to go. It's got a incredible fort in the middle of the city that's been used in a few movies. Um yep. the Batman, the Dark the, the Dark Knight, uh, mm-hmm. or the Dark Rises, I forget which one, but um yeah it's really a, a cool setting just set up in the middle of the city you can see it for miles um but then from there we went on to uh Jalsamir. yeah um, we, need, we need to talk about Jalsamir, don't we because we spent two weeks there right? <laughs> yeah so this is something that uh people you know can do when it comes to traveling is uh, volunteering or what's called workaways mm. so um i've done a fair few during my travels and it's just a great way to you're basically working in exchange for your food and accommodation so yeah. it saves you money on uh on that main expense and also kind of you know you get more immersed in that particular culture so you might and there's loads of cool stuff you can do with workaways and for this one we got to work on a camel safari in the yeah. desert and like we were based in Jalsamere but we each got to go out for a few days in the desert and you know it's just a really cool thing because it's one of these things that we would have kind of done anyway it's one of the main things to do in that area of India and you know to get to do it for a bit longer and kind of see you know get to know it was a family run sort of operation yeah. so got to know the people and you know even the people in the shops nearby yeah i've actually i've actually (laughs) actually talked a bit about the locals uh, and another podcast episode uh talk about being like something off the beaten track or out of your comfort zone i mean i would like to say would highly recommend something like this because you're there for two weeks yeah you go on camel safaris yeah we're in the desert we had a great time but we also got to meet the locals so let's let's go through them i think we (laughs) Let's talk about some some other ones. I actually want to talk first about the guy who sold those um, Dow 
you know those breakfast style papads you know that guy on the stool oh yes that was like one of my favorite foods how good was that oh my god like for 10 or 15p this guy would be there till mid you know until he runs out it was like a really big poppadom but like a bit thicker yeah just pour this like it's kind of like a salsa there is like a bunch of like tomato onion and like fresh coriander yeah um, and there was all these sauces and stuff, but it was just really simple, but just like so dal on top. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course the dal. <laughs> and yeah, I think this guy ran out after about lunchtime. I think he was there literally with no food left, and he'll go. But there's queues of people, and um, we used to get there every morning, right? God. Oh yeah, I mean he would he would come up pretty early, and he one of these guys who you know he just his day is done when he's sold out and that was usually like a few hours yeah because that's so popular what a guy um yeah. next one uh, the guy to our left dr barn so <laughs> this guy arrived every day on his motorbike in the most extravagant disco type jacket right yeah. <laughs> different colors every day and i think he was one of the first people to introduce themselves to us. Like he's Dr. Bang. If you want some Bang, which is like a, I guess a marijuana type thing, anything edible or you can smoke it, come to his shop and he'll. Yeah. It's like sure. a little, it's, it's a little bit different. It's actually, it's of the same family, but it's made in a mortar, uh, a mortar and pestle and it's mixed okay. with like the spices. Yeah. So it's not something that uh, would smoke like marijuana, but you generally have it as like an edible. So edible, right. It's it's actually legal in um, in India, okay. And well, in a few places, like he he was a government shop, so yeah. you know it's advertised right outside his door. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, he would give us some cookies to take on on the camels. He'd be like, "Oh, when you're on the camel, it's like you're flying, floating." <laughs> <laughs> but he was. He was quite. I remember sweet. Zoe. Zoe was keen for, for some of those. Oh yeah, she was. Yeah, big time. Yeah, she was. <laughs> he was also quite sweet with the fact that he said, you know, if you've not had it before, I'll make sure you have the right amount so you don't have too much. Like he was that sort of guy. So like, he's not trying yeah. to sell you like his best stuff. He's like, oh, you know, what's your level? Are you never had it before? Are you medium? And he give you an edible based on what you said. <laughs> yeah, that's it, and uh, that that's important with those things. So. But yeah, yeah, he's a top guy. He used to say morning after morning, like, I just love the way he just like rode on his bike, front of the office. What jacket is it today? It's a, it's a bright purple one. Park his bike up and his, his shop is full all day with locals yeah. and with tourists, I think. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Giles Mare itself is a is a pretty cool place. Like it, it's unlike, I mean, there's no place like it. Um, it's actually, the, the fort there is the oldest uh continuously lived in structure on earth wow i did not know that um yeah it's i mean the numbers slip my mind because but i'm i know it's at least 800 years but it, it might be over a thousand but don't mm-hmm. on that but i'd be confident to say it's at least 800 and nice constantly lived there. so that's, that's crazy cool. yeah yeah i think we've we done a few days up there right you know odd days where we had a bit of time we went to the fort yeah. and walked around and checked it out right yeah well we were like the actual office was sort of right there you know like just outside the entrance mm-hmm. we had to walk 
you know, a couple of minutes to get just basically around the back to get in. And then also um, talk about the office. We were, we're working with a guy called Jalum. We have to mention Jalum because he was like <laughs> yeah. the go-between, I guess, from the owners to the front-facing staff, if you like, in terms of me and Scott would help him with maybe trying to sell the tour or organise the tour. Um, he's yeah, a cool, basically, he's a cool dude. Like, yeah, and kind of all it was is that they're, they're actually, I mean, there's hundreds of these tour operators in Jalsmere doing these safaris, mm-hmm. but there's only, I think, two or three that are in, like, the Lonely Planet guidebook. And TripAdvisor as well, aren't they? Yeah. So they were, they were like, a pretty well-established, like, they had, um, but they, they basically wanted us because they wanted to basically appear a bit more professional. If somebody writes them an email, they, I mean, like, they could write, but they'd want it done in a more professional way. So using a native speaker who's a bit more, mm. maybe better at the, the grammar side of things. Um, so that when that customer is receiving the email, it sounds and looks more professional. Uh, and even, you know, when people would come in, you know, they'd see us there. And so you've got, you know, a tourist from the UK and instead of just speaking to another local who's trying to sell them a tour you've got us who we're not trying to sell them anything but it's just right. like they can get a more what they might feel is a more honest opinion yes. about what's going to happen on this tour or what to expect and um yeah so it was good we just got to speak to a lot of people and yeah. do a few emails and met a lot of people <laughs> yeah got some really good food for in exchange <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also uh couple of things we discussed the actual tour itself so i've never been on a camel before even a horse actually so people think oh you jump on a camel it's fine i'll tell you one thing i underestimated was my my groins hurting so the camel was quite semi-wide so when i'm when my legs are on the camel and it's like you know hobbling along the desert after like an hour i was in pain i had to get off and walk and cope with it <laughs> yeah it's uh it's quite a workout when you're not used <laughs> before um yeah i mean i definitely felt felt sore too um, oh okay yeah quite stressful getting on the camel right because they sort of like kneel down and you hop on and then just that gangly legs sort of like in order go up and you're like <coughs> trying to hang on <laughs> um, yeah and then they're kind of uh like goofy animals like they just kind of look appear like they don't really care that you're there and they'll just kind of like give you a nudge or yeah on you like a llama and like they they do that thing with their lips where they kind mm. of and uh, don't know what the, the word is for it but they basically yeah, end up spitting everywhere <laughs> yeah they sort of like build up to it don't they like the, the lips sort of like go up and down and go around in the circle wherever they do <laughs> um yeah, and also we get yeah. to, we got to sleep you know, in the desert so undercover right now that's that a pretty cool experience where <laughs> The fire was going, the food was yeah, cooked, is. and then the stars are above, and you get to sleep overnight. Didn't didn't you have an issue on your one? So we we didn't get to go out together because basically they wanted one of us to stay in the office. But mm. we, I seem to remember there being some kind of issue on the tour that you went out on. But I don't know if I can't really recall. But I what I do recall is I remember there's an Australian couple maybe like they went together but they're traveling together and they're just a bit moany you know when people just moan all the time about certain things and I think they moaned about 
what was going on or how we were like traveling on the camels or stuff like that and they moaned about their experience I think Jalan was like oh freaking out that's going to affect their school um so I had to like I think I had to go on the on, on another tour didn't I and like kind of smooth it over I think that's what I did um so I went on two I went twice I think but um I would actually just say that it's moaning. that's what it was I do, I do remember there being some you know not anything major but like a, a minor incident that yeah. involved you and your tour but yeah yeah that's the thing this uh this was quite well this was what 2016 yeah yeah so. it wasn't memorable let's put it that way so it wasn't even that, anything that bad um I can't even recall the details but um I thought I enjoyed my time there and also I thought the time that we made it there locally was when we used to get our daily chai next door like a bit further on next door and they would charge us like a local price instead of the tourist price. And I kind of thought the difference is only 10, yeah. 20 cents. Um, but I kind of thought, oh, do you know what? They see us as a bit of a local now. So I thought we made it at, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I mean, it's great, isn't it? You get it, you, like, you get it in, a, in a plastic bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just get these little cups and, oh, that, that chai is, is good stuff. I'm not a huge fan of chai, but I love the spicy chai there. That was great. Big fan of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Jai And then let's talk about, we went a little bit east to Darjeeling. I love Darjeeling. That was one of my favourite highlights of India. And we yeah, yeah. done a trek, didn't we? The Singalila Ridge Trek. Do we want to mention anything about uh, before Darjeeling? <laughs> okay, let, yeah, let's mention, <laughs> let's mention Varanasi. So... Yeah. I have explained on a, a few podcasts before, maybe twice, that I got a bit in trouble with a bit of um, uh, edible strawberry yogurt, which had some stuff in it, which made me go a bit... Uh, a bang lassi. <laughs> okay, bang lassi, yeah. Um, and it made me... So I ordered a medium, and I thought I could handle that. Um, so I've, I've actually told a story a few times. So we're in Varanasi, we're seeing the sights down to the river, bodies have been burned because they're, it's their ritual but we decided to go to a restaurant in a tree. And at that point, over the course of a few hours, I've really, it's really got hold of me. And I went from different phases from paranoia to extreme laughter to chanda. And I've always told a story like that's the thing, but the one person who got me out of this was Scott. Um, <laughs> so from your point of view, what do you remember from that sort of like afternoon, evening? Yeah, so... Well, we were with um, Val as well. This, Val, this friend, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good guy. Um, and Stuart as well. Stuart yeah, yeah, and Stuart. So, yeah, four of us. And basically we, yeah, we found this place because a few places you can you can get them in Varanasi, but this yeah. is sort of one that was, you know, had a decent reputation. Um, and, yeah, so we all kind of had our, had our lassies and we're sort of sitting around for a bit and thinking oh not really too much is happening and then we'll uh go for a little walk and then you know I think for each of us it sort of kicked in at different points but yeah. um I mean very quickly I, I couldn't give you a time but it was definitely like probably less than half an hour <laughs> like we need to get some food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big time. And then we pretty much stopped at the first restaurant that like looked 
you know, nice. And uh, but it was this place up a tree, and this. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be really cool on a, on a regular day. Or a regular night, yeah, or regular afternoon. Yeah. But um, we go up there, and it's not it's not a massive restaurant, in, but it has has this cage around uh, because there's just so many monkeys, and otherwise they're yeah. terrorizing all the all the guests. And of course, that didn't help me. It was yeah, it was a decent restaurant, but I I don't. We ordered a bunch of food. <laughs> and then, yeah. I just remember starting to, you know, laugh and just not being able to hold it in. And then you're kind of thinking, all these other people around, yeah, are like looking at you, like, what the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like laughing, like, like a bunch of idiots. Um, no, it, it must embarrass them to look at. I, I don't really recall. That. <laughs> I, I think I recall a few people looking over, going, "What is going on over there?" As I, I, the only thing I remember after that was I kept looking at Stuart and for some reason, so he was in this like laughing mode and his eyes just made me lose it and I don't know why or what happened, but every time I look down and look up, he's looking at me and it's making me laugh. Like glowing red. Yeah, and it's, it just, it just, I was gone. I was absolutely gone. <laughs> well, and it was, it was quite, it would, it would make, you know, you wouldn't even have to have taken this to feel a bit uncomfortable with these monkeys like, oh God, right on the cage as if this little prison cell like they're desperate to get in and have some of that you know bhaji that's sitting on the table yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh you know I, I just remember all this food came and all of a sudden I just didn't feel very hungry anymore no bites and I was like if I eat anymore I'm just going to be sick yeah and I ended that phase as well yeah. and, and as well I think you know a couple of us were like you know I think we should just try and head back and I was thinking okay right I'm probably going to have to try and navigate here. And Baranasi, for anyone who's not been, <laughs> I mean, it's like the definition of a maze. Yes. At night, when there's bright lights everywhere, it's one of the most colourful places you you ever see um, for a city. Yeah, it, it just trying to navigate around there when we'd only been there a couple of days, you don't, it's not like you know the place. Um, and I just remembered, and I, again, like, all the festivals so of course there's a festival on yeah yes parade coming down the street and yeah. we're trying to cut in like cut through the parade because <laughs> we're just like we just got to go go this way it's this direction i was like i was thinking i know when i see this particular sign or restaurant that i know that that's like the alleyway that we've mm-hmm. got to go down and so that's all i was focused on is like get to this place and i was trying to keep an eye on everyone and <laughs> leave a man behind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get lost in the crowds and like oh it was uh, the last thing i remember is you relief when we made it back (laughs) yeah like i think i don't even remember that i remember you guiding us through the the little streets yeah all the markets and stuff that's kind of the last thing i remember because i was like oh scott is gonna like try and lead us out of this maze and yeah we sort of go through that festival and that was it that's the last thing i remember i don't even remember getting in any oh the thing is as soon as no, yeah, we actually didn't. We ended up walking the whole way. It probably took about half an hour or something. Did we really? We walked? Oh, yeah, yeah. It oh. actually wasn't that far, but it was one of these walks that would have felt like an eternity. Oh, I thought um, we got a ritual. I, I, I swore. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, as soon as we got back, like, yeah, Stuart and yourself were just, gone. you know, collapsed straight on the bed, and that was you for the next 12 hours. 7 p.m., done. That's my night. <laughs> As where Val and I like went, went up to the roof and we were yeah. like 
cars with all these other people. We had this like second wind and we just <laughs> plowed through and uh heroes. Absolutely heroes. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good day. <laughs> yeah, it's a an experience and this is something that I love like recalling um and also would advise people just to kind of yeah get their comfort zone. I wasn't really comfortable with um taking us up before India but like you know it's just a bit of fun done in a safe environment and we, we have a story to tell so when in yeah. Rome <laughs> yeah when in Rome so <laughs> after that yeah we went to Darjeeling and done the Singalila Ridge trek Darjeeling yeah. itself what, what a beautiful landscape and city that is like in on that hill in the mountains yeah it is um yeah really cool place somewhere I actually went back to on my uh next on my trip after in india um i really loved sikkim is one of my favorite places oh yeah in, yeah and that's just a bit north you know it's tea country so yes you know you've got tea plantations like beautiful hills like you can see uh and Kan kanchenjunga kanchenjunga yeah that's it yeah which is the third highest mountain in the world yeah uh, yeah and i mean it, it is can be often a bit hazy in mm-hmm. uh, on, along that view but you can uh, you can definitely see it sometimes um but yeah just even without that like the, the views are still incredible the place so even just walking yeah, around exactly. town a little tiring workout i've got two questions about Darjeeling. i don't know the answer number one we went to the same breakfast place probably four or five times in a row right when that that local guy had an unbelievable hash brown, hash brown with uh, <laughs> tomato eggs do you know this do you know the name of that place i guess it's a long shot you know what i don't but i definitely can't think of that right now but it's not i mean the thing is the amount of restaurants you end up going to and there's a lot of good ones so yeah that's a problem i was like, actually up there um, i wrap my brains but we literally went there every day but even that one that um is like in a kind of old Victorian style building and it has the nice view and it has a bakery and all that. Oh yeah. Stuff. We, we also went there. It's a good place. That was a good place for like a coffee. Um, and a cake. I mean, the tea. And yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, that was a great view. Like an English style, you know, cafe bakery in Darjeeling. And it has a very big British influence. Like mm-hmm. some of the houses you'll see in Darjeeling, you would think you're in like, Surrey or yes it's, it's got that vibe it's right? really really quite bizarre like if you just took a picture of the house you you could say that's easily in England yes yeah do you remember trying that um I think it was labeled as a Tibetan pie on the market it was like this salty cabbage in a sort of like a pasty oh. that? that was unbelievable yeah, yeah so there's Thenthuk and Thukpa which is the the noodles but and then i mean momos i mean james and i love love yes. our momos. we even did a momo cooking class but we'll, we'll get to that in a bit <laughs> yeah i've still got notes from that uh, uh, i've we, never made them since <laughs> <laughs> nor, nor have we there's actually a restaurant here in uh, in vancouver it's called the gurkha himalayan and they do momos and they're great they're awesome um yeah that's quickly yeah like uh, this uh sort of pasty thing i, I don't know you get the name of that yeah, it's. I think it's called Tibetan Pie, but I've not seen it anywhere since. But it, I think we had two. I had two in a row. It's that good. Um, but also, I think before we wrap this part of India up, 
he had a single leader track that, that we did together with Stuart. That was a hard track. <laughs> um, in the snow, in the rain. Um, yeah, do you remember that group? Yeah, that was it, still, it was a real challenge. Like that group yeah. who diverted their route, but we stuck to the same route and then we caught up with them afterwards and they couldn't believe we stuck to the same route. And these are like seasonal hikers as a group. A bit older, but that was a good good track. Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was a great track. We were like, I've funny enough been usually pretty fortunate with a lot of tracks in terms of getting those views that you yeah. usually going for. But this one was it wasn't like disappointing, but it wasn't the best clearest view of because mm. you can it's right on the border of Nepal and India, so. <clears throat> You actually have to take your passport on the uh, on the trek because yes. at the yeah. beginning you actually kind of cross into Nepal and then you're crossing back into India. But it's like a special permit you get um, if you're doing the trek. You don't need to get any extra visas or anything. Mm. But yeah, it, it's a really really good trek. It, it's ranked as one of the best, um, you know, in all of the Himalayas, India. Um, probably in, in the top 10 or something in terms of popularity, like ease yeah. of access. It's about five um, days, wasn't it? Five-day trek, I think. Yeah. Yeah, five days. Um, I'm sure you could do more as well if oh, okay. uh, there's hardcore hikers out there. Um, yeah. There was, a, um, there, was a, a, there was a low and a high moment for me in the same place. You know that... Uh, outpost we stayed at I think it was like an army outpost one night and it was so tough to get there I think I was lagging behind it was snowing and it was the first time and probably one of the only times in my life I was shot I was like gone physically mentally I'm done I went straight to bed and I thought I even didn't eat food that day I just got changed out of my stuff into my like sleeping gear and I was gone um so that was quite a low moment because I thought I've actually reached the sort of limit here I pushed myself that much but the equal high of that, I don't know if you had any parts playing in this, so you can enlighten me. The next morning, uh, I got for breakfast for the next day for the hike, and the guy who was with us cooked beans for breakfast. And I was like, I was just thinking that, yeah, beans. What the hell is this? <laughs> beans. Like, are you a lifesaver? Like, just absolutely perked me up. Like, did he just like have that by chance, or did you ask for beans for the trip? Like, how did that come about? No, I don't think we did, but I mean, I think I can't. I can't actually remember. I might have to ask Stuart about that one, but okay, maybe we that they had beans, and then we were like, "Oh, we should." Uh, you know, I actually couldn't. I couldn't say. But what about moment? Bean. I definitely were like, "You're just how buzzing you were that there were beans." It's because I was so like <laughs> I was so done the, the previous day. I think um, uh, what didn't help was my nan had died like a few weeks before, like prematurely, like by absolute you know wasn't planned or anything so that kind of played a part on that day and I thought I just had a little bit of enough I think I didn't really think about it until that day I was like oh why am I doing this track like so hard but anyway when I got when I had a good sleep and I was so hungry because I didn't eat food the day before yeah when he was like dished up beans for breakfast I was French toast all toast and beans I couldn't believe it <laughs> I was so happy <laughs> yeah unbelievable it's travel question time. I have got some quick fire questions, but I'm looking forward to this because you've been to so many places. 
Um, I don't know if you know that these are coming. So these are short fire, quick fire. If you're to name top three, I'll give you top three here in no order of your next destinations. What's, what's in your top three places to go to next? Uh, Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, Central America. Yeah. And probably back to India. <laughs> wow. For, for more areas, because even though it's the same country, it's uh, yeah, it's, huge. it's like, yeah, seeing new parts of it. Great. Love that. Okay. This might be tough. This one. What has been your favorite beach that you've been to? <laughs> I'm probably with you there with uh, Aitutaki. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In Cook Islands. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's Different just level. kind of, I mean, I've seen some incredible beaches, but like walking over those sandbars. <sighs> You just can't. Isn't there's nothing like it in the world. I just couldn't believe it. I think we actually went there because you told us to go there. Because um, I mean, I, another thing, yeah. one that would be close is the Maldives. But yes. Um, I, I did his Maldives. I mean, I can't say anything bad about it, but it's just <laughs> that's why I hate these favorite things. Because I know that's gonna annoy you. Yeah. That, yeah, great recommendations. Here's maybe one you don't mind. What's your favourite coffee? Like, have you got a particular brand or a country's coffee that you like? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> it's a bit niche, that question. I mean, I, I, the thing is, I do love coffee, but... Okay, we'll move on I mean, to the next actually, one. May, maybe Israel. Okay, yeah. Israeli coffee. Which is kind of like Turkish coffee, but I've not been to Turkey, but they, they love their Turkish coffee. Okay. Yeah, quite an but, um, That's yeah. good. Okay, this might be tough. So I'll give you a top three here. Uh, Favourite cities that you've been to? Um, ooh, probably Vancouver would probably have to be up there. Yeah. Um, Melbourne. Yeah. And I mean, right now I can't really think of think of another, so we'll just leave it. Uh, to... Yeah, that's great. Yeah, too. That's cool. What's been your favorite trek that you've done? The Langtang Valley. Yeah, love that. Um, I mean, there's I've done some really awesome ones, and that's just one that obviously comes to mind. But it would be between that and the Salkantai trek in Peru. Of course, yeah, great trek that. This is a tough one, but I'm going to give you top three, no order. Favourite countries? Yeah, I knew that one was coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so probably Bolivia. Yeah. It's a tough one between Israel and Oman. So Okay. Uh, and Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously I have to put India in there, so it's kind of... Uh... Okay, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> uh this is interesting your favorite party place too many yeah, um, there is <laughs> buenos aires oh yeah love that or oh, la paz <laughs> la paz is uh, for i'm just bringing episode. it out for, for <laughs> yeah. james and i yeah we need a need an episode on that. So the next episode we do will be no, definitely covering... buenos aires okay but we will we will include south america in the next episode 100 percent your, what's your favorite landmark that you've seen? Uh, it's called Kailash Temple, and it's part of the Ellora Caves in India. Okay. Um, I mean, I've 
there's there's a lot of cool stuff. Like, I mean, the pyramids are up yeah. there, but I mean, the people who have seen the pyramids, they realize how um, incredible they actually are and how big they are and how, like, how did anyone build that? Yeah. Um, but this was like a whole nother level, not in terms of size, but in terms of detail. Okay. It's a, it's a temple that was cut out of a mountain. It's twice the size of Parthenon in Greece. Um, wow. And it's just somewhere that you have to go if you go to India. Um, I'd say it's up there with even Trump's Machu Picchu for me. Oh, wow. In, 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 terms of, in terms of awe-inspiring. That's on the list, Alan. Okay. Um, favorite cuisine or food? I mean, I went Indian, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love so much, but... Uh, I think Indian because even though people think of curries, it is broader than that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Indian. Okay. What's your favorite like high adrenaline activity um, that you've done? Uh, well, high adrenaline skydiving. <laughs> yeah. But I also love scuba diving. Um, you do? Yeah, you've done a lot, haven't you? Yeah, I did up to rescue diver uh, on the course, mm-hmm. but. I've not done it in a few years now, and I've done about sixty dives. Um, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's really. I mean, yeah, it's just a great experience diving. <laughs> if you're, you know, if that's your, if you're curious, then I'd say go do it. <laughs> I am curious as well, but I don't like deep water, so I need to get over that fear. It's just something I need to deal with. But um, I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, okay, I might know the answer to this one, but your favourite country to live in? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I'm going to say Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, I would be happy, you know, in New Zealand or Canada as well. Like if, you know, but the reason I'm not there as well was also visas and stuff. And I didn't try to get residency because at the time it was, about moving on to the next place but of course yeah yeah um yeah just looking back like i had great times there the lifestyle was great mm-hmm. um, in australia but i know you lean a bit more towards australia but i would lean a bit more towards new zealand out of too mm-hmm. and that's not to put australia down to be honest i do prefer a bit of a cooler climate i don't See, I like don't. <laughs> time. <laughs> i'll be honest i prefer hot hot weather so I think yeah, fair enough. It's... Out of all the like work visas, if you like, in terms of places I've lived, I think Canada would be probably it's might be controversial, the lowest one because it's too cold. Um, I just I just prefer milder, warmer weather. So Australia takes the bait for me. Okay, what's your favourite lake that you've seen? Uh, Maureen or Pangong, okay. which is in, on the border of Tibet in India. Really, okay. really. I mean, it's similar to Maureen, like that color. Yeah. And um, that like incredible turquoise where it looks like it's every photo has been photoshopped. And when yes. you actually feel like, oh no, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Um, you can have three here, but what? which country is the best value for your money to travel with? Oh, well, um, I mean, India... 
Egypt. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say Indonesia, but not including Bali. Yeah, yeah, you can have that. Because I mean, like, Indonesia is massive, and people usually just think of Bali, or a lot of people have only just been to Bali, and some parts of that can be pretty expensive. You can mm-hmm. have whatever you want there, like five-star if you want it. And, yeah. But it, it's getting a bit more tricky to to go real budget in places like that. But yeah, Indonesia. I mean, it was when I was there too, I found that I, I actually, you know, it's, it's one of the only places I wasn't able to go over my budget. <laughs> um, That's crazy. <laughs> it was... Almost, uh, almost a dream. Yeah, I, I traveled through Java there and yeah. to from Bali to Jakarta. Um, some really cool places on on there, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's just incredible how cheap things were. And I was like, well, at least I've actually over budgeted for once because <laughs> that's usually never the case. <laughs> but you are the king of budgeting, though. I'll, I'll give you that title. Um, but I'll bring that budgeting well, thing yeah, would, in the next episode. I would, I would say, uh, yeah, I'll just throw in a little tip is uh, for people um, when you're trying to work out a budget, uh, a good rule of thumb that can apply to almost everywhere is look at like a hostel dorm price, like, um, like basically accommodation price mm-hmm. times, uh, times four for like a very comfortable budget. And that's your per day. So some people would say times three. So yeah. let's just say something is $10 a night. That means you've got $30 per day. But I would say if you bump it up to 40, then you won't like you'll be able to just have that extra splash or do that extra thing that and it might, you know, bring you a few days less on your trip, but mm-hmm. it's probably I mean, depends. Everyone's a little it's a great bit different. tip. Um, I found that very useful when trying to work out a budget. Is instead of trying to think, oh, what's the cost of food? What's the cost of mm-hmm. accommodation and, and all that sort of stuff and transport? You just go, okay, is that hostel like average kind of prices in that city? Then just multiply it by four, and that's a pretty safe budget. I mean, it might not apply. 100% of places but it's mm-hmm. worked well yeah that's a great tip I didn't even think about that I'm, I'm going to take that forward as well um okay and the last question I have um just to summarize these questions is in a few sentences tell people why you should travel and why you travel yourself it's just um I think it's like the best experience people can have like to challenge yourself to step out of your comfort zone and you learn not just about the world, but you learn mostly about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions and false perspectives on what a place is like when you're only seeing it through pictures or TV as where well. when you're actually there and you really get to meet these people, it will completely change the way you look at that culture that place and yeah I think it's just enriching to to someone's life so 
it kind of makes you a better person overall i think <laughs> no i totally agree you know, i mean i don't know if I'm that sounds arrogant or anything i don't hope not but um no i just think it makes you more open to um everything to yeah. you know people having different beliefs people having different ideas and not um being stuck in your ways um, totally agree totally agree I think I, I think even t- I talked about that in my first episode about why you should travel. Um, I, I had the same th- feelings and thoughts as well, just to open your mind up. Well, yeah, you're just going to have the best experiences. Um, you know, it's very easy to be worried if you're going by yourself, but mm-hmm. you just, I mean, I I also had that fear, like, oh, I'm, am I going to meet people? You know, mm-hmm. what's it going to be like? Am I going to be lonely? And it's just like, all those worries just got blown out the window out, out, out the window when I uh, you know got into that first hostel and you throw yeah. your bags down and straight away somebody's like oh hi my name's Blah let's go grab a beer and then exactly there's, yeah there's no turning back <laughs> <laughs> it grabs you when, you when that happens um okay yeah thanks for coming on uh, I'm gonna wrap it up there and then uh, as I said before we are definitely gonna do two or three more leads because we have so many other things to discuss but um yeah thanks for coming on today yeah i'm just gonna tell you um, it was great it's always nice to chat about these things uh reminisce and hopefully inspire some people to get out there that's the main thing if it can inspire one person to go then we've done our job um that's it yeah but i'll leave you with a quote i've got a quote to finish on i love finishing on quotes it's by c.s i have to throw one in there yeah yeah yeah, you get you get one as well um, my, my quote today is you are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream that's C.S. Lewis that's my quote of the day what's yours that's a nice one um, mine is one that gripped me when I first heard it and it's uh, once the travel bug bites there is no known cure and I know I shall be happily infected for the rest of my life amen to that Michael Palin <laughs> he could not have said it better <laughs> and I think we've both been gripped by it so we are real life infectants if you like if that's a word I don't know <laughs> yeah I'll, I'm happily infected <laughs> <laughs> okay cheers Scott thanks very much alright yeah cheers James yeah thanks for inviting me on and all the best yeah you too ciao thank you for listening to my Winging It podcast today you can check out my website jameshammond.org for all the links to all the platforms for your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. There's also a newsletter sign-up on my homepage for twice-a-week newsletters where I talk all things travel of my last 10 years. There's a contact form on the homepage for you to get in contact for anything you want me to discuss to do with travelling. Please check out my YouTube channel, Winging It Podcast, where I release weekly content, all related to this podcast, and some live reaction. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel, where I post daily about my last 10 years of travelling, travelling, and more travelling. Finally, please rate the podcast. I really appreciate it if you can rate it, leave some comments, and I'd love to read them. Stay safe, happy listening, happy reading, and be inspired.